Welcome to the Eastern Current Saltwater Fishing Podcast presented by Outdoors by Owner. OBO helps the outdoorsmen find the perfect home to rent for their next outdoor pursuit. Whether you're looking for a house right on the shallow water flats of Florida Bay with world-class sight fishing right out your back door, or you want to find a weekend mountain getaway for you and your family, OBO has the house for you. To check out all their incredible properties, visit go-obo.com. On today's podcast, I chat with Michael Sprague from the Sustainable Fishing Club. We chat all about their incredible brand and the importance of having a conservation mindset about our fisheries. If you haven't already, be sure to check out Eastern Current on Patreon. There you'll be able to find our weekly Ramp Talk podcast where my guide buddies and I discuss our day-to-day fishing on the way to the boat ramp in the morning. I've teamed up with Florida Fishing Products to outfit my guide service with their spinning reels, braided line, and fluorocarbon leader, and I'm looking forward to giving you some real-world feedback on their gear. I've been enjoying their Osprey CE for all my light tackle, redfish, and speckled trout, and Resolute for my beefier setups for big reds, cobia, tarpon, and jacks. I'm looking forward to helping further their mission to equip anglers to fish better, which couldn't align closer with our values here at Eastern Current. Be sure to check out their website, floridafishingproducts.com, or ask about them at your local tackle shop. Temple Fork Outfitters is the rod of choice for all of us here at Eastern Current. Whether we're fly fishing for shallow water redfish, sight casting to cobia from a tower, or dropping live pinfish to grouper in 100 feet of water, they have the rod for the job. Their customer service is unmatched by any rod company out there, and their rods can take the beating of everyday guide use without any issues. My favorite rod for redfish and speckled trout is their seven foot medium light tactical inshore spin rod. Be sure to check out their website, tforods.com. Michael, thanks so much for jumping on the podcast today. Excited to talk about about your uh, your life in fishing and how it's established. Um, you know the Sustainable Fishing Club, or uh, and just just interested to talk about your fisheries as well. And someone from the opposite side of the country, there's always different different fish that we're targeting, different tactics, and so I think we can have a pretty cool conversation here. But man, thanks for jumping on. Yeah, thank you for having me. Really good to meet you, and uh, excited to get into this. So, what time is it? It's seven seven o'clock in the morning where you are, right? Yep, that's right. Okay, so I, and it's ten oh five here. So he's if he seems a little slow, just he just got up probably. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, uh, excited to chat. So let's start out with your story. So obviously you have a passion for fishing and fisheries. You know, just based off of what I've learned from you, learned about you from social media. But that doesn't usually it's it's born through a passion for fishing. So let's hear about your you know your story and coming up, and when you fell in love with fishing. Sure, sure. Yeah, so my, my story actually starts on the East Coast as well. Um, and I was I was actually born in a pretty fishy place, uh, so a place called Newburyport, Massachusetts. Okay. Uh, are, are you familiar with uh, with that? It's, it's on the coast, the northern coast of Massachusetts. I'm not, uh, uh, but I am familiar with, with – I've spent a little time in Massachusetts. What, and it's such a cool area, man. I'm excited to, to hear about your fishing up there. Yeah, it's really cool. But, uh, so, you know, we, we, I grew up in the middle of the state, but my family from like a great, great grandmother, um, had a beach cottage right on this little area called Plum Island. So Plum, Plum Island, Massachusetts is one of my favorite places on the planet. Uh, and you know, in, in terms of, and when I think about it, I think about the summers and I think about all the memories I had kind of growing up yeah. there. Um, and I think about my grandfather. So my grandfather is the one who got me into fishing at a really young age, uh, probably eight, eight or so. 
Um, and the type of fishing we did up there uh, was, uh, or still is, you know, a, a primarily uh, striper, striper fishing. And then this is, you know, back in the 90s, the fishery had just reopened uh, after uh, some time of it, of it being shut down for, for conservation, actually, which okay. is interesting to think back of. I had no idea when I was eight. <laughs> we were just seeing blitzing stripers and blitzing bluefish all the time. And it was just really, really exciting. Uh, but my grandfather got me into fishing and, uh, his name was Jack. He's no longer with us, but, uh, he, uh, we called him Papa and, uh, yeah, he, he lived on the beach house full time. So my mom would, uh, drop us up there in the summer and we would just spend weeks just running around barefoot all summer and fishing. And that's, that's how I, that's how I got my start in, into fishing. That's um, awesome. So when, oh, yeah. sorry, keep going. What are you saying? Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I got some funny stories about my grandfather, but we keep going. <laughs> You're good. We'll, I, we'll, we might interrupt each other a little bit. Just there's mm-hmm. a slight lag in the conversation sure. with the, with the board. So I apologize if I, I'm usually not as rude as I am on a podcast. It sounds like, <laughs> yep. but, but, um, well, cool. Well, yeah. So when did that, how did that kind of transition into what was your next kind of big step in, in fishing from growing up there catching stripers? Yeah. So, so that, I mean, so, you know, fishing, it was just kind of learning. And then, you know, then, then I just kind of grew up and went to college and, and did all that. And then, you know, fast forward a whole bunch of years, I, I found myself in California and more specifically, I went to school in Southern California and then, and then up in Northern California in the last 12 years or so I've, I've been up here in, in Northern California. My grandfather was always telling me, Michael, the stripers in the Bay, outside San Francisco. And I'm like, no, come on. You know, and I was early in my career and I was just focused on work and like all that stuff. Well, finally I felt the itch and I went back to what I knew. So I bought, you know, I found my old pen reel that I had still to this day, still going, uh, I think a 45 slammer or something, 450. I don't know. One one of the slammer, I don't even know if they still make it, but it's great. I love it. That's awesome. Um, and I picked up, uh, uh, a rod and I just went out there and just started hammering it. And I was just like, wow. And, and then for some reason, and I, I still don't know what really grabbed it, but I just felt an itch to start fly fishing. Yeah. And, uh, so I did. So there's a, there's a fly shop in San Francisco called Lost Coast Outfitters and, uh, walked in there and left with a whole setup and went to the beach and just started practicing casting, had no clue what I'm doing. Uh, and then, uh, I caught a fish <laughs> and, and then, uh, the, you know, so the last five or six years have been really, uh, fly fishing focused. Uh, so I guess that's kind of my, my trajectory there. Yeah. That's awesome, man. It's, it seems to be where a lot of people are drawn to, you know, they'll start out so many stories, very few stories start out with fly rod, you know, it's, it's, it's bait fishing off your dock or something like that. And then you're kind of, you find fly fishing if you will, but um, that's super cool, man. I, I was initially just drawn to like, I, something popped up about one of y'all's hats and it was like the coolest yeah. hat I'd ever seen the tarpon hat. And that's how I found your page. And, and it seems like, I, I mean, maybe this is a, a state a, a rude statement, but it seems like fly anglers are more creative sometimes than spin anglers <laughs> as far as the <laughs> designs and everything goes. But, uh, but yeah, man, that's super cool. So how did that, you know, roll itself into what you're doing now with sustainable fishing club? Yeah. Well, I, I love that you saw it and I, I really appreciate the, the comment. It's, it's been a super fun project to, to get into. Uh, it, it's, it's all intertwined with the, with the new report from Island kind of story actually. So, you know, the, throughout the pandemic, uh, my wife and I, uh, 
were just going crazy living in San Francisco, being in our box 24 hours a day. Right. And once it, it, in, in 2020, once flights started opening up, we, uh, we booked a flight and, and went to the beach and we, we, we stayed there for probably four months and, uh, works just work from there. And, and it was really, really wild. So we did that in 2020. And then in 2022, last year, uh, we went back, uh, gotcha. and now, now we have our son and we went back for a month. Uh, and so we were both working and I was fishing, getting up early fishing. And it's so great. It's so, it was so blessed to have that because you could just literally just walk to the Merrimack river or to the ocean and, and you could fish. So fishing in the morning and evenings and Anyways, long story short, how this whole kind of um, sustainable fishing club came to be is, uh, you know, last year fishing and just observing other folks and how they're handling fish and, you know, thinking about the way my grandfather taught me to fish. And he wasn't like a preachy, you know, uh, conservationist or anything, but like he taught me about, you know, oh, we fish barbel hooks, you know, it was yeah, just how we yeah. do it because it's easier to remove fish and it's just kind of whatever. And, you know, this topic can get really toxic. Actually, I found it's right. just like everybody has like lots of opinions and things like that. And it's just like, so I'm, I'm seeing, you know, bait guys and rod guys and, and whatever and fly guys. And, and, and I'm observing people taking fish out of the water, dragging them, you know, six, seven feet up the dry sand, keeping them out of the water for five minutes, taking photos, and what, what hurt the most, Judd, is just watching uh, this particular guy just, just hock the fish into like four inches of water. And it just kind of like, you know, after being out for five minutes. And I just remember walking back with my head down, just like so bummed. Right. I'm just like, I'm like, what? And I didn't say anything. I, you know, whatever. Everybody's having a good time. Just kind of like all that stuff. And I'm just like treating, treating a fish like that. Just, and then thinking about the fishery now in contrast with what it was growing up in the nineties. And I just remember I had this conversation. I went back, our, our good childhood friend was up there and I just kind of told him the story. And I'm like, what do you, what do you think needs to happen? And he's just like, I just think people need to be aware. People need to be educated about this stuff. Yeah. And I was, I was just like, wow, that's cool. So that stuck with me for months. And I remember on the flight home, um, I wrote up a plan for the sustainable fishing club and, uh, and now I'm on a podcast. He's talking about it. <laughs> so, That's awesome. Re relatively quick. So yeah, that was, that was the background on it. So the plan for sustainable fishing club, what does that look like? What are your goals and kind of the, the, what do you want to kind of charge your efforts towards? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I consider us to be a, um, relatively new, but you know, a, a lifestyle brand with a mission to promote the stewardship of our fisheries through the sale of apparel products, media and all that. And so you, you had mentioned, I mean, you, we didn't plan this, but you had mentioned the hats. Just right. Cool, right. Right. Uh, that is the whole goal is just to make really cool fishing stuff that has this foundation. I very, I don't want to just put fish on hats. There's plenty right. of fish on hats, right? right. Why don't I put a fish on a hat with a meaning that people can get behind. Right. Um, and so we can sell this and, and we're, uh, we're probably going to launch. Well, actually, by the time this comes out, I think I think we'll, we will be launched. Some of the skews, some of the hats that we'll sell, um, we're going to earmark and, and donate 100% of the profits to uh, uh, to conservation and science. Um, so uh, uh, it's looking like three of the tarpon hats. We're going to make a, a donation to the Bonefish and the Tarpon Trust. Nice. And this is all just within um, 
the you know the tarpon collection and it's it was really hard to pick judd which which species to start with because i, I just bet it was all, <laughs> it's just like and we've gotten so many requests and, and the response has been really really cool so it was like okay we can't do them all well eventually we'll kind of get there uh, right. i told you you know a passion for striper there's a lot of trout uh interest and it's just kind of like endless but um yeah so, th- so that's it so so now this project you know, we want to continue to make really cool products, you know, not just hats, but, you know, shirts and, you know, the, the, the sun hoodies and, you know, just, just like, it's kind of endless what, what we could do. Um, and then, and then kind of build, build a brand around this and, and, and kind of continue to continue to do that. And, and in my own journey through it, you know, it started with this like visceral kind of reaction to fish handling and I'm very cognizant of, you know, not wanting to be preachy about it. It's just, right, but, right. but what I would love is for just people to just be aware that maybe this isn't good for the fish. <laughs> and, and actually a, a cool thing that happened later that summer, my, uh, Plum Island has a really cool jetty and, uh, the fishing just wasn't great last, last summer. Uh, it was just really slow, but there's one morning, my younger brother and I were out on the jetty, uh, and it was an outgoing tide. And if anybody listening is familiar with the Merrimack River, where it meets the ocean, it's it's a wild, wild current. Um, and sometimes when you come over the hill and the stars align <laughs> and the sun is rising and the birds are smashing the surface, all within casting range, your heart is just so pumped to just get out there. You're barefoot and, and you're on the rocks and we're casting. And I hooked into a really big striper. Uh, from, well, all right. So really big. There's probably some people catching some really big fish, but it was uh, it, it was it was in the low 30s. So pretty big for my eight weight fly rod. Heck yeah. And this fish it, uh, hooked into this fish, and it goes deep into the current and just starts peeling line. And it was a really great fight, and it was super super fun. Um, well, where I'm going with this is my brother and I released the fish, and and because we're on the jetty, I needed his help because uh, I couldn't reach and I, I definitely couldn't just rod the fish up. Um, so, uh, I coached him into how we were going to release the fish and, uh, you know, we, we pulled out the hook and he kept his, his, his hand in the fish's mouth and, you know, the current was ripping. So, so we just kind of let the current rip through and then it was just like, all right, now when the fish feels like it's ready, you know, and we just kind of let the fish take off and he just looked at me and he goes, wow, I've never done that before, but that felt really good. And I was like, yeah, we released the fish with like respect. You know, we had this, this tug of war and he ran a marathon and, and we let the fish go. And it was just like a really cool bond and connection I had with my brother. Yeah, that's uh, awesome. And I think that, I think that just kind of like sums up what we're trying to do with the brand. Yeah, man, that's such a cool story. If I'm fishing a jig, you can bet it's going to be an eye strike Texas eye. Dave and Ralph at eye strike have built the most versatile and durable lineup of jigs in the saltwater industry. Whether you need a finesse presentation on spooky wintertime redfish or you need to hop a big swim bait on deep water structure for cobia and bull redfish, iStrike has the jig for you. Be sure to check out their website and use code EC10 for up to 40% off all iStrike products and 10% off all Z-Man products. The code can only be used at iStrikeFishing.com and you can find the code and the link to their website in the podcast show notes. There is no stealthier platform to fish the shallow water flats, creeks, and marshes than a pedal drive kayak. The P-127 from Bonafide is my choice when I want to get out on a solo trip and access the areas that I can't get to on a flat skiff or a bay boat. 
It happens far too often in a boat where I have redfish and plenty of water in the back of a creek or bay, but there's a sandbar or series of sandbars between me and the fish and I just can't quite make it to casting distance. But with a kayak, I can drag across the sandbar right to them. Be sure to check out the full lineup of Bonafide Kayaks on the website or at Hook, Line, and Paddle here in Wilmington. I will have a link to the Bonafide website in the show notes as well. Um, I, I'm so with you, man. It's like, I'm not, I'm not against people keeping fish, eating fish, but I think, yeah. um, it's to me personally, I'd much rather catch a fish again than eat them, you know? So that's, that's kind of how I look right. at it. And I will eat some fish sometimes, but I think apart from, you know, killing fish to eat or, or releasing fish, it's just handling the fish that you're going to release. So, um, you know, it, just because the fish is little, you know, doesn't mean you need to take less time taking it off the hook and reviving it. And I feel like that's something that, that a lot of people might fall into or struggle with, but just that fish care and keeping the fish in the water and, and getting them back going. Is so, so important. And I feel like something people didn't really realize, but is catching on now for sure, for sure. So are, are there some other issues that, that you see, you know, another fish are there, are there, and as far as issues could be, you know, you're, you're working with Bonefish Tarpon Trust. Are there any other groups that y'all are kind of partnering with to do anything um, or working with? Yeah, so, so we want to do more. And wh- what's, been, um, what's been my own learning in this, right? And again, we, we just talked even more about fish handling. But it's so much more than fish handling as I've been going deeper and learning more about it. And, you know, now I'm really just deep into trying to understand, you know, the habitat aspect of conservation. And if you just go all the way back and, and then it gets into water and there's, you know, uh, you know, thinking about the tropical side, uh, I, I, you know, there's, there's captains for clean water, uh, which maybe you're aware of and, you know, yeah. all the things that they're doing in the Everglades and, you know, here, you hear folks, um, there's a guy down there called, uh, I forget his last name, Benny, Benny something. Oh, Benny Blanco. He, he, yeah. Yeah. And I, I loved his point of view on this. It, it, it's not like, like you're in North Carolina, right? Right. And, and where I'm talking about New England and I'm up here in the Bay, it, it's not my fishery and your fishery. Like he talks about it like it, it's our fishery. Right. You know, it, it, if there's an issue up in Montana, then like, let's figure out how to get involved because it's all a collective fishery. And I really loved that uh, kind of perspective on it. Um, so there's definitely going to be other organizations. And if other people have ideas listening, I definitely want to, I want to hear it. Um, but I, I, I think it's, you know, if, if we can, you know, get some traction with this brand and continue to, to kind of build it up, uh, we'll be in a position where we can maybe make a small, a small difference and, um, uh, you know, part, part up with some more, some more of these awesome, you know, kind of science-based conservation, uh, organizations that, that are doing some really cool stuff. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I think it's just so important, you know, as an individual listening to this to figure out how, you can make a difference even ju- just in your area. And I really like that point that you brought up about that Benny said about, you know, our fishery and looking at it in that way and taking pride in it in that way, you know, and wanting to take care of it. So super, yeah, super yeah, cool. Yeah. 
So totally. now that you've now that you're doing this and you fish a lot of different areas, you know, and a lot of different types of fish, what what would you say you're the most drawn to in, in the world of fishing that you've experienced? Whew, good question. Well, I just got back from a trip in Belize and awesome. it was so fun. Uh and it was so humbling. And I uh I felt every emotion possible. Uh extreme excitement down to boredom, down to heartbreak, down to, you know, just you, you go through the whole thing. Right. I learned a lot and, and it was, it was really fun. So the flash fish in sight casting is, 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 uh, is just kind of what I think about a lot right now. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I just went yesterday on, uh, you know, I had to drive down, I had a long drive in the morning to, to get to a meeting. Uh, I stopped by Chrissy field right here in San Francisco, right next to the golden gate bridge. Uh-huh. Um, and was able to huck the fly out and, and try to try to catch a, a striper. So the striper season for us is just kind of getting started here. Yeah. Uh, and my friends on the East coast are finding them down in Rhode Island. And so it's hard not to think about striper because it was, it was my first love, but for the, sure. the flat fish, the flat fish is a lot of fun and, and tarpon are a lot of fun. <laughs> I, yeah, man. I just, I think it's all just the more visual it can be, the more addicting it is. Right. To, at least to me, totally. the, the more that I can see of the ex- whole experience, the, the more I enjoy it. And, uh, all right. So question for you on this, because I, yeah. I have been thinking about this, you know, growing up in the nineties on Plum Island fishing for striper, the two fe- species were really striper and bluefish and bluefish were always exciting because it was always top water all the time. And I remember just hucking rangers out there, right. Cheap plugs and, and all that stuff. And right. it was just so, so fun. Those chompers just kind of coming through. But, but for stripers, we never fished for plugs back then. It was always so, it was always like jigs or Hopkins, like metal and, and kind of things like yeah. that. And then, and then, you know, five or six years ago, as I started getting back into striper fishing with the conventional gear, it's like, wow, everybody, everybody's plugging for stripers now. And yeah. I, I just don't remember that from the nineties. Like, like what, what, what's your point of view on that? So here, the striper fishing is so much different than it is even further mm. up um and, and it follows a lot a, a lot of the guys that end up striper fishing are guys who are bass fishing more so more in the freshwater lakes but back before i was a part of it um maybe right when i was when i was really young probably in my you know el- elementary age there was still good amount of sh- uh big stripers on the beaches in the northern part of north carolina so i never experienced that um yeah. but that kind of doesn't really happen anymore but as far as as far as the that culture, I, I've definitely seen that change, like further and further south, the way guys are fishing for them. Um, but it doesn't quite relate to like our river stripers down here. So I think we kind of mm. learn all our stuff from the bass fishing world on how we're catching the stripers in these rivers. They do get out in the sounds and whatnot, but I think that that was a, a fishery that was more found after a lot of that change had happened, if that makes sense. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, so growing up, you guys were catching beachside striper. Well, it was possible up in the Outer Banks to do that. Okay. I well, I didn't grow up doing that, but but it was done, okay, and, and it was really really good. I mean, a lot of guys keeping fish. I've seen old pictures of like you know truck beds yeah. full of fifty inch stripers, which stinks, but it's still yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. it's still it shows that there was a lot of them out there. So and that yeah. now to catch a striper in the sand. Uh, in North Carolina, like you make it in the newspaper, so it doesn't it it doesn't happen really anymore, unfortunately. But a oh, wow. little bit further yeah. north, it, it still does. But 
The, was there any other type of fish up there in New England that y'all were targeting growing up, or was it mostly just the stripers and bluefish? Did you do any of the bottom fishing, like the tog and, and all that? Yeah, a little bit. You know, there, there's a couple commercial boats that my grandfather worked on, so we would go out and um, it's like, yeah, there's cod and I think it was pollock. Uh, yeah. You know, actually, I can remember one day just jigging for mackerel. It, it was super fun. <laughs> these little, like, just bullets combined and yeah. Uh, that was, that was, I mean, we we're like 12 years old, right? That's what right, it was right. kind of super fun. And then, uh, and then some night fishing. Now night fishing is really big. The guys that catch the big fish up there, they're, they're fishing at night, uh, yeah. and, and kind of things like that with eels and, and different stuff. And, uh, I can remember my cousin's take, I didn't really do much bait fishing, but at night it was just, uh, back then it was like, you know, go out and stay up all night. And I caught a big crab. I remember, <laughs> That's awesome. uh, it's just like all that, but yeah, it was, it was just kind of all it's striper crazy up there. That's what, that's what everybody wants to catch. For sure. It's funny to the things that to, we remember as kids fishing. Like it's, it is catching big fish and whatnot, but it's the weird stuff. Like I, I remember growing up and I always wanted to check the crab pot and like was so obsessed with not the crabs, but the other random things that got caught in the crab pot that I got to check out. And that was yeah, you know, I could have gone out and caught a thirty-inch redfish that day, but if there was like a flounder in the crab pot, that was way more interesting to me. Um, it is funny how they're steered in, and and now I, I'm a father. You know, I have a two-year-old son, and I, I mean, that kind of like uh, inspired a lot of this like future fishery thinking too. Um, yeah. But I just I can't wait to to share some of these memories with him. Definitely. So, uh, explain to people um, where they can find you. I'm just I'm. Is it going to be a retail shop? Is it going to be all, I know there's lots of Instagram sale now. How are y'all looking at doing all that? Yeah, exactly. So we're in the, by the time this comes out, there will be a store, um, real, really simple, uh, on the website where you can order, order the, the first collection, which will be the, the tarpon collection. And there'll be, uh, I don't know exactly how many styles they're going to be. We're in the process of kind of getting that now, but there will be a hat with a patch on it. The way it has the fish, and then there will be the the other hat that says tarpon, which is cool, and there will be a t-shirt at least to start. Uh, so, uh, Sustainable Fishing Club. Actually, the website will be sustainablefishing.club. Uh, find us on Instagram. Just look for Sustainable Fishing Club, uh, or maybe links in the podcast. And uh, yeah, order a hat. We'll ship it out to you, and we'll make it clear which ones will go uh, towards BTT, and in in and that's the that's the plan for for the first one. Heck yeah, that's awesome. I I was uh been wearing that t shirt more than I should have probably that you sent out here. It's pretty awesome. Is it comfy? That's super I mean, these comfy, are early man. early prototypes, so I, the feedback is helpful. No, and, it's uh, super and, comfy. That's cool. That's awesome. I, I wore them down in Belize, uh, uh and I wore the hats. The hats float because uh, you know, one <laughs> one fell off my head. <laughs> uh and we had to turn around and get it. But awesome. uh it's great. Hundred percent nylon. It was it was pretty light and uh and it looks pretty cool. I got some comments on it. I gave I gave some to, to some of the guys down there, so I hope they rock it too. Yeah, heck yeah. No, the hat the hat's incredible too, very, very comfortable. But yeah, like I said, just really cool gear. So as far as the design aspect and doing the clothing, is that something yeah. that are you a designer yourself? Are you doing some designing or kind of working with other mm-hmm. artists? Good question. So, uh, I, am not a designer. Um, I, you know, in my career I've worked with a lot and a lot of creative people. And, um, my partner in this project is a, one of my dear closest friends from college. And, uh, he, he designs all this stuff and he is amazing. He's honestly, honestly incredible. And so, uh, our, our goal with this is 
is hopefully to collab with other designers in the future. Yeah, so, that's you cool. know, every design, like I want to really embrace design and, and the creative aspect of this, because I think, I think that's just, it's all kind of intertwined in it. Right. So, so we're For doing sure. like, we do a week, uh, uh, a newsletter, uh, try to do it weekly. Sometimes it's bi-weekly, but you know, we're always trying to feature a cool artist or a photographer or a videographer, some, some type of, of, of creator. So I can see in the future, if there are other artists who have really cool art and they want to work with us, like all the designs don't have to come from us. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that's, I think that's super exciting too. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully, you know, uh, we can continue to, to make some cool stuff and, and the response on the tarpon stuff has been cool. And, We'll, we'll do other species and, and, and work with more designers and, and hopefully, uh, hopefully build a, a big brand out of this thing. Yeah. That's super cool. I think it's, uh, it's always so neat, any type of product that gives back to what the product passion is from. <laughs> like you see, you see a tarpon on a fish and you know, or you're a tarpon on a shirt, you buy that shirt and it's, it's a helping tarpon. I mean, it's, it's hard to not beat that idea. It's very, very, yeah. very cool to be able to get behind something with what you wear. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. Um, which it, it's important to me to just make just like a, just have that be ingrained in the philosophy. Right. And yeah. so, uh, it's just, it will just be part of how we operate. Uh, and I, and I think it, you know, uh, financially it will work and, and, and all that stuff. So it's cool to hear it, it resonate. I appreciate that. Yeah, for sure. So uh, this is one thing I want to get into just with sustainable fishing and kind of where your heart started with it all. What are some issues mm-hmm. that you see, you know, potentially people having, you know, handling fish in the wrong way. And maybe something they don't realize is there a simple, uh, you know, simple change people can make to, to ensure maybe better releases. I think the, I think the biggest thing, and I don't want to give specifics because, um, again, I think this can just, this conversations have gone just weird. <laughs> when I've had them. <laughs> and so I, where I've settled on this is, uh, just be aware of the fish, have empathy, right? Have empathy and just think about what the fish just went through and think about if you want to catch that fish in the future, how, how would you treat it? Right. And, and that's it, right? I've got my own way of the types of hooks and the things and, and kind of what I do. There's cool programs out there. Uh, 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 actually, um, the saltwater guides association has some cool stuff. Uh, there's, there's programs like, uh, or, or brands like keep, keep fish wet. Right. And, and kind of yeah. things like that. Like, you know, I, I, to me, some of it is common sense, but maybe not to other people. Um, but other people think differently. So I, I don't want to, again, I'm, I'm very, I'm being very intentional about not being preachy about this. Right, right, and right. I think, I think, I think the best thing is just be aware that this is a, a fish that lives in water. And, um, we're blessed to be able to catch them and we want to continue to catch them. And so how, how would you treat a fish like that? For and, sure. And I think that's it. So I, I guess that's how I'll answer it. Yeah, no, that's great, man. That's <laughs> awesome. I, uh, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more with, with better handling and better releasing. And that's something I've learned a lot about, you know, in the recent years is, is how, you know, if I'm releasing a fish, how some stuff I can do can be still be pretty detrimental, especially with like our speckled trout here. A lot of times people bring them in a net, let them flop around on the bottom of the boat and, you know, get a picture and then let them go. And there's, it's just so important for them to keep that slime on them. Uh, you know, that right. fish slime for that right. type of species. And, and that takes a lot of it off to, as to where like a redfish can do that. And it's, it's usually okay. You know, it's, it, it, yeah, maybe a little more resilient. Slime. Yeah. A little more resilient. So just, just simple stuff like that. But yeah, if, I mean, if we can teach, get every fish released as, as simply and quickly as possible. 
um, I think it would be super. Yeah, helpful. just try. I mean, it's like take a picture, right? It's like it's so fun, right? It's right. like I think there's ways there's, there's ways to do that, and so I don't, you know, it's like all that stuff, and and then also, you know, if things aren't perfect all the time. Sometimes, you know, jetty fishing, I, sometimes mistakes happen and it, it right. hurts right. <laughs> and it's just like, well, you know, all right, I'm, I'm trying, you know, trying at the end of the day, we're, we're putting a steel hook into a fish's mouth. <laughs> and so, you know, and, and at the same time, I'm talking about conservation. So it's right. kind of like, well, what, you know, but it's like, there is a way I think that we can do it uh, responsibly and, and kind of the best. But yeah, I think the biggest thing is just, just try to, the more awareness, like that story with my brother really sunk with me because he had just never thought about releasing a fish like that. Right. And it was cool. It was really, really fun. And, and we felt great about it afterwards. Yeah, no, that's super cool. I love that story. That'll, uh, that'll be my inspiration. That little story there nice. as well. <laughs> oh, I love it. That's cool. Well, man, one more time before we wrap up, what is, uh, so it's what, tell everyone the Instagram so they can come follow you on Instagram and then exactly how they'll be able to find you again. Yeah. Sustainable fishing club is the Instagram, uh, the website, is sustainablefishing.club. Uh, got cute with that one. And then if anybody ever wants to email me, it's just michael at sustainablefishing.club or hit us up on, on Instagram. Heck yeah, man. Well, thank you for chatting with us and sharing sharing what y'all are doing. Uh, we'll have to check back in and maybe do another podcast in a year or so and, and kind of follow up and, and see how everything's going. Yeah, thank you so much. I enjoyed this and, and maybe I can make it out your way sometime. We can do some fishing. Heck yeah, man. You let me know. That would be awesome. All right, guys. Well, thanks for checking out another Eastern Current episode. We will see y'all next week. Bye. If you're anything like me, you like a clean boat. That's why I've chosen to partner with Carolina First Mate out of South Carolina. Carolina First Mate is a family-owned business that provides environmentally friendly boat cleaning alternatives. My two favorite products are their hole cleaner that doesn't harm your trailer and their boat wash. Be sure to use code EC15 for 15% off your online purchase. If you're interested in checking out all their products, you can find a link to their website in the podcast show notes.